I want to start today with our scripture memory verse of the month. We have been working on Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. Would you say this with me? Haggai chapter 2, 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Haggai 2, 9. When Emily and I were first married, we were undergraduate students, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money, and so we lived in a very old house. I think it was built in 1906. And we liked to clean the house, because I like to have a relatively clean house, and uh, it was a challenge. You see, we would dust the house, and then the wind would blow through the house. Didn't last very long, dusted. When we vacuumed, we always filled the bag, usually with disintegrating carpet. <laughs> it was really old. Uh, one day, we were all sitting in the living room playing board games, and the ceiling literally fell in on us. <laughs> Every time we did something, that we tried to clean something up, or we tried to you know, get the house in good shape, it never could get very far, because... You could see daylight through the walls at times in certain places. And, you know, the, the carpet was just literally disintegrating on us. It was, the phrase I would use, like putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> just wasn't accomplishing much. Have you ever been in that state where you're working and working and working and you're just not accomplishing things? That's the state that the Jews in Haggai found themselves in. And that's the state that they were working at getting themselves out of. Recall, we're going to be in Haggai chapter 2. Recall what's going on. Haggai is prophesying to a people who have started to rebuild the temple. They have started the process of rebuilding the temple. But leading up to this, life was just not working right. Things weren't going well. And God said, things aren't going right. Look at the circumstances you're in. You failed to obey me. You failed to follow me. And so, yes, of course, things aren't going right. Really, what we're going to see is that there's a universal truth. We'll look at a specific promise, and then we'll take away a theological principle. So, in Haggai chapter 2, I want you to read along with me, starting in verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and the fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body, touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest answered, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with these people. And this nation in my sight, declares the Lord, whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures... There were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, 
There were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with hail, blight, mildew, and yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn until now? The vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. The message that Haggai has starts with a universal truth. And that universal truth is that while holiness is not contagious, sin has a corrupting effect. I want to back up and share with you a little bit about the timing, a little bit about the culture. We talked about the fact that Jews are rebuilding the temple. They have finally started. Things were going bad before. They finally started. And in Haggai's good form that he does, he tells us on exactly what date they started. Two months. Sorry, three months. Three months after starting the construction of the temple, Haggai wants to speak again. And he gets up and he has an important message. And he uses this universal truth to get things started. He goes to the priests, the experts in the law, and he asks them a question. If your clothes have been consecrated for God, if your clothes have been consecrated for God, and the meat has been consecrated that you're, you're carrying there, and that meat happens to touch some other meat, or some olives, or any other food, does it pass on holiness? And the priests answer, no. You see, there's no such thing as a spiritual talisman. We don't have the ability to bless some object, and then it carries around this blessing all over the place. That's not how it works. No, only God has the ability to make something holy. Only God has that ability. And so it can't be passed on. Um, if you want to be more technical, there's no such thing as third degree holiness. Okay? Only God can make something holy. Let me give you some scripture to help you to understand that. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, if you want to turn to First Thessalonians 5.23... Let's read that. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God himself sanctifies. John 17, 17. This is uh, Jesus speaking. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. I know, I've got you doing gymnastics in your Bible today. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by God, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. And finally, 1 Corinthians 6.11. 
1 Corinthians 6, 11. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. It is God who sanctifies. God that sets things apart for his use. There's no such thing as a spiritual talisman, something that can transfer holiness. Holiness is not contagious, okay? This has an immediate application. I want you to understand this. If you walk into a place where you shouldn't be, you're not going to make it a better place by being there. Your holiness is not contagious, okay? But, but, on the other hand, Sin has the ability to wield devastating corruption. Sin can wield devastating corruption. The picture here is defilement by a corpse. So back in Deuteronomy, well, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Moses had set up some rules for what was considered clean and unclean, for what was considered sanctified and unsanctified. And one of those rules was that if somebody had contact with a corpse, they were not allowed to participate with the whole congregation in the Passover meal because that corpse represented defilement. It represented sin. And so Haggai continues and he says, all right, so we've established that sin isn't contagious. So let me ask a question. What about uncleanness. Holiness isn't contagious. What about uncleanness? And the answer is, yeah. If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches something that is food or that you're supposed to be eating, does it become defiled? The answer is yes, it does. So what's the point of all of this? What's going on here? Let's put it back in context. What are the people doing? They're in the middle of building the temple. They've been told to build the temple earlier. Now they've been building the temple for 90 days. And Haggai comes on the scene and he starts talking about this holiness not being contagious, this sin having devastating corruption. What's the point? I think the point that Haggai is trying to make is you've been hard at work for 90 days. Actually, culturally, they probably were having a celebration. We're 90 days into the process. Probably this was actually a feast day that they had to celebrate the construction that had taken place so far. And Haggai says, I want you to remember the sins of the past and don't fall back into that. Remember the past and don't fall into it. It wasn't that the people were necessarily doing these sins here now, but it was that they needed to remember obedience. Because in the midst of a busy project, in the midst of a busy time, in the midst of working for God, we can forget the basics, like obedience. We can forget how important that is. So what is it that the people had failed to do? They'd failed to obey. And what Haggai is saying is disobedience makes even a sacrifice to God, unacceptable. It corrupts it. Disobedience corrupts. Do you like cilantro? I don't. 
So uh, I know I share that with a couple of people here because we've talked about it. When I eat cilantro, it tastes like soap. It's actually apparently a a genetic predisposition. I've, I've learned that now. And so if I eat anything with even just a little bit of cilantro in it, it tastes like I'm just eating a big thing of soap. It's disgusting. <laughs> the cilantro corrupts. Emily bought some uh, taco sauce uh, at Costco, a big bottle, and uh, she put some on her tacos. She's like, this is so good. And so I was like, all right, let me try this. I put some on, and immediately my taco tasted like soap. I was like, why did we buy a big bottle of soap to put on the tacos? But that's the picture of sin. Devastating corruption. Destroying corruption. Just a little bit can corrupt something so good. I do like tacos a lot. So that bottle's going to last us a long time because I won't be using it. Haggai goes on in this passage. In verses 15 through 19, Haggai gives a specific promise a specific promise for Israel, faithful obedience brought the promise of blessing. This was a specific promise for Israel. He reminded them in verses 15 through 17, the disobedience brought consequences. You see, all the way back in Deuteronomy, God had set up a covenant with Israel. That when you get into the land, if you are obedient, I will bless you. But if you are disobedient, Israel, in the land, you will be faced with famine. You will be faced with hardship. The curses that were given in Deuteronomy were for the specific people of Israel. But in general, God does sometimes use discipline to help us grow. If you want to look in your Bibles at Proverbs 3, this is one of those verses that I love to hate. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. The writer says, don't despise, don't reject Don't take lightly. Don't ignore God's discipline. Don't resent it. That's to abhor it or to loathe it. God's verbal correction should be accepted as loving concern. So for Israel, the specific promise was that disobedience would bring consequences. Obedience would bring great blessing. In general, God uses discipline to correct us. So we can apply this to ourselves. Obedience for Israel would bring great blessing. And that's what Haggai is doing in chapter 2, verses 15 through 19, is he is telling them, look what happened in the past. Look at the past. Before you started building the temple, when you were disobedient, you would go to the wine vat. You would think, we got a lot of grapes in there. Let's get in there and start stomping. Surely there's enough grapes in there to make us 50 gallons. And only 20 would come out. You go to the grain heap. You would look at the field and you'd say, wow, we've had a big harvest. 
you get all piled up, you thresh it out, and it'll be half as much as you expected. That was the past, Israel. That was the consequence of your disobedience. But now, because you've been obedient, great blessing is coming. In verse 19, he says, Until now the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. Then we have to remember the second half of the verse. From this day on, I will bless you because you've been obedient. That's the implied reason going on there. So I want to take this. I want to apply that to us. We have a universal truth. Holiness isn't contagious. Sin is corrupting. We have a specific promise. Faithful obedience brings blessing. So now let's take it to an applied principle. As joint heirs, we possess great blessing in Christ. And this is really where it all comes together. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to read to you verses 3 through 6. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he is freely giving us in the one he loves. God had promised in Haggai that their obedience would bring about great blessing. In the midst of building the temple, Haggai comes out and says, don't forget your past disobedience. Turn to God in obedience and he will bless you greatly. And now I want to fast forward 500 years. 550 years to be probably a little more precise. To Jesus, who died on the cross in obedience to the Father, who lived a perfect, sinless life and followed in obedience to the point of death, the death on the cross. Remember God's promise to the Jews. Obedience brings blessing. Jesus obeyed to the point of death. And in his obedience, he won the ultimate blessing. Our blessing is in Christ. If you accept that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, paying the price for sin, you secure blessing in Jesus. Blessing that he received for his obedience. Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 3 starts out, Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father. The word for praise is only ever applied to God, the specific word used here, and it means to speak well of. To speak well of God. But then it continues on in parallel. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. And here's what's kind of 
cool. In English, praise does not sound anything like blessed, right? You're not going to use those in a song and make them rhyme. I don't think that's in the plans, Thomas or Nora for leading. They don't rhyme well. They don't necessarily fit well. In the Greek, they do. There's a parallelism here. Praise be to God, eulogetos, who has blessed eulogesas, us. God has blessed us in Jesus Christ. We praise him and he blesses us. But here's what else is really cool about this. In all of your Greek writing, we have lots of writing from ancient Greece. None of the other quote-unquote gods, like Zeus, none of them ever bless people. They don't do it. It's not something they ever even think of doing. Nobody writes that Zeus has blessed the people. doesn't happen. Our God, Jehovah, Yahweh, has blessed us because of Jesus Christ, because of his obedience. How has he blessed us? He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what does that mean? Anything that we could ever want spiritually, we have in Christ. You want a right relationship with God? You can have that in Christ. You want peace? You can have that in Christ. You want joy? You can have that in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is given to us in Christ. When? In the past. In other words, we already have possession of it. It is ours to have. With what? It's every spiritual blessing. We talked about that. And where? In the heavenly realms. Our prosperity is not necessarily on earth. There are times where life is going to be hard. But spiritually, we have every blessing in Christ. God may provide you physical blessing. If he does so, it will flow from spiritual blessing. He may not provide you physical blessing, but he will provide you the spiritual strength to endure. Actually, that's what the whole book of Ephesians is really about. Our physical life should emanate from our spiritual position in Christ. So, we have our promise of blessing in Christ. But more than just our promise of blessing... We have our status in Christ as holy and blameless. Verse 4 causes lots of problems for lots of people. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds. So here's what I'll say. The book of Ephesians is written to Christians. It's not written to the unsaved. It is written primarily to Christians. It is about Christians. And what we learn is that God chose us in him before the creation of the world. At some point, God made the decision that I would come to know him. I don't know the details of it. I don't know how. I don't really care. I'm just happy he did. If you've accepted Jesus as your savior, then God chose 
to reveal himself to you before the creation of the world. But don't get so stuck in that that you lose sight of what it is that God chose you for. He chose you to be holy. Leviticus 11.44. If you want to turn there. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, Moses writes, on behalf of God, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16 quotes that. 1 Peter 1.16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. We were chosen by God to be holy, to be blameless. So let me try to sort of put all of this together in one big picture because we've kind of been looking at a lot of different pieces and I want to try to tie it all in. Let's back up to Haggai for a second the people had started building the temple. They had started to obey and God promised them blessing. But through Haggai, God is reminding them, don't fall back into disobedience. In the midst of this progress that you're making and you're celebrating 90 days of construction, don't lose track of the basics. Don't fall for that disobedience. Why? Because I think God knows how easy it is for us in the midst of the excitement of successes to slip in the basics. Don't fall for it, God says. In Ephesians, we are reminded that we already have secured the spiritual blessing because of Jesus. Jesus won the victory on the cross, dying for our sins, raising again three days later. He secured every blessing for us. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you have every spiritual blessing, but don't fall for the disobedience. Just like in Haggai's day, Haggai needed to tell the people in the excitement of success, in the excitement of construction, keep track of the basics. Don't fall for the disobedience. So we are reminded that we have secured every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen from the foundation of the world. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But don't fall for disobedience. You've been chosen to be holy. Yes, no matter what you do, if you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you will never lose your status before God. But it doesn't mean that you can't act in a way that's completely contrary to who you are now. Don't fall for it. God's blessings are secured. But it doesn't mean you should go and disobey. And that's the message I think that we have that we can grasp from Haggai today. An action, really. Embrace Christ's gift. Embrace the gift that Christ has given us. Enjoy the blessings. But check your obedience. Because we don't want to fall into disobedience. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Haggai, for his boldness in speaking to the people in the midst of their project. 
he reminded them that you do discipline those you love to bring them to obedience. I'm reminded that you have promised us every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the spiritual blessings that you have promised. But at the same time, I pray that we would be obedient. That as we enjoy those blessings, that we would do so out of a heart of obedience. Embracing who you are and what you have done. Father, let us be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.